Hi, everyone, and welcome to Academic Dean, where we connect with passionate college leaders who share their stories and viewpoints of higher education, especially lessons learned along the way. Now, here's your host, Dr. Dave Gurchak. Hi, everyone. Today, I'd like to welcome Dr. David Kruger to our show. Dr. Kruger is the Dean of the College of Technical Studies at Montana State University Northern in Haver, Montana. Dave, glad to have you on the show today. Dave, thanks for uh, inviting me. It's a, it's a pleasure to join you today. Can you talk about the College of Technical Studies and why students select MSU Northern? Uh, you know, you, you asked that question and uh, I, uh, I guess the first thought that went to my mind is why wouldn't students select uh, Montana State University Northern? Um, you know, I typically, as I meet with, with students and parents and, and they ask these type of questions, why should we come here? Uh, four or five things come to mind that I always share with them. Uh, the first of them is, is the breadth of career and technical education programs that we have, at, um, that we have in the College of Technical Sciences. Um, you know, we have 10 CTE programs in my college that are made up of, of certificate, associate, and bachelor's degrees. So for students to get the breadth of career and technical education, uh, just not just in Montana, but anywhere in the country, where are you going to get 10 very hands-on CTE opportunities and have stackable credentials like certificates, associates, uh, bachelor's degrees, and, and I'll even talk a little later about uh, micro-credentials that, that we're having. And, and these areas um, are, are in agriculture and agriculture mechanics, automotive, diesel, uh, plumbing, pipe fitting, electrical welding, uh, career, uh, civil engineering technology, and uh, we even sprinkle in business to all these, uh, all these career and technical opportunities. I, I want people to know that they can actually get a minor or uh, associate's degree or uh, a, a, an actual bachelor's degree in business to, to complement what they're doing in the career and technical education area. So in saying that, if you're looking at career and technical education, I say, why wouldn't you come to MSU Northern? It's, it's just kind of a no brainer. And another thing I, I always let folks know is the affordability. And you know this uh, being from Montana as well. Um, you know, a smaller tiered school like we have here is a very affordable. Uh, I came from Michigan and I look at what my daughters paid <laughs> for their education in Michigan. And my son actually came and followed me out here and is, uh, is in an uh, equipment management degree here in, in my college. And uh, he can't believe uh, he's going to leave uh, MSU Northern uh, with no debt. He won't have any debt when he leaves. And he, that's just... My, my daughters can't even believe it. So yeah. the affordability is something we really have to look at as well. Um, also, you know, our institution, Montana State University Northern, was was recognized as being number one in Montana, number number fifteen in the nation for economic upward mobility, and that's people starting at the bottom twenty percent of the income distribution and exiting at the top twenty percent of the income distribution is what that measurement is. And, and you know that was a Harvard study that was done. And it's not surprising when I share that with people how that comes to be because of the starting salaries that we have in the College of Technical Sciences. Uh, technicians across the United States are are being paid phenomenal salaries. 
and uh, and you know uh, plumbers and pipe fitters and electricians and welders and others the same way. So when you leave this college, uh, you're going to be able to uh, basically write your ticket where you want to go, what you want to do. Um, you don't leave searching for a job. People come here uh, to to pick to. Um, to look at, at the students that we have, interview them, and, and our students are hired before they leave before they leave campus. And finally, I always tell, and it's great to do a tour of our facility, but as I, as I talk to parents and others, take a look at what we do with partnerships with industry. In the College of Technical Sciences, we have phenomenal partnerships uh, that, that really branch uh, not just for the two-year programs and certificates, but all the way up through the four-year programs. Um, we have equipment. We have, uh, I just was calculating a year ago, over $5 million worth of loaned equipment for our technician training programs. Wow. Excavators and, uh, you know, uh, dozers or, or whatever, uh, tractors and combines and... <laughs> <laughs> and we're not talking stuff that doesn't run. We're talking brand new pieces of equipment with integrated systems and precision technology where our students are able to, to benefit from the, the newest technology and direction our industry is going. So when you couple all those, you know, those four or five things together, um, I'll uh, tell people, especially when they leave, leave for an uh, interview on campus, why wouldn't you come here? It just makes all the sense in the world. So that's a, a little bit in a nutshell about the college and, and what we have to offer. You know, first of all, I've been to your campus. In fact, I had a tour of your campus a couple of years ago and, and uh, your labs blew me away. They were, they were phenomenal. And I can't remember, there was a new lab that was just opening up when I was there a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, our diesel technology center. That's right. And that's, that's the newest lab we are um, we're on our, our third year with our diesel technology center and just getting the, you know, getting used to <laughs> used to facility that's as magnificent as that facility uh, and students having that opportunity, young people coming into this, it's, they won't see it anywhere else in the country in, in most cases for a, for a training center like they can, especially in our technician training opportunities. So. Yeah. You know, and the other thing I didn't realize you had, 10 bachelor programs. Uh, I knew oh, yeah. you had, a, I, I was going to say, I knew you had a few, but I didn't know you had 10. Yeah. And so I assume with you having so many bachelor programs, you get a lot of out-of-state students coming in to finish up and, or at least continue their education to get a bachelor's degree in CTE. Yeah, exactly. So um, a lot of the students, you know, and I can touch upon some of the things that we do. It's attractive to athletes. Let's just talk about that. I know um, we've got a, a lot of athletic opportunities here at MSU Northern as well. But uh, athletes, when they come in and they're scholarshiped, uh, have to be in a four-year program. It's one of the things that they oh. have to be. So let's say we have a student in plumbing, and that's a two-year program. We couple that with what we call um, our, our trades management bachelor's degree. And uh, the way that works is a student will take their two years, they'll get their associate's degree in those skilled areas of plumbing. In the last two years, we build a business uh, component to that where, they'll, where they can be managers of companies and they learn all the business traits in, uh, 
in trades management. Very popular for a lot of our skills trades associates degrees or our certificate programs to look at that uh, trades management degree. Yeah, you mentioned athletes. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the new stadium for the for the football team eventually down the road. Yeah, new. Um, I was looking out the window the other day, and they're they're out there practicing out on the field. You know, spring football. I'm not used to seeing having a spring <laughs> season here in the Frontier Conference. But yeah, we've got the football players are out practicing in a, in a magnificent facility, and and that's important for universities as well. When you have athletic programs, it's important to have quality facilities, um, and I, I say that for sports and athletes as well. But um, you know, in all reality having great facilities, as you mentioned, lab facilities in every single area is just as important. And as, as we talk with our partners out there and how they can help and support us, that's one of the things that we really uh, lean on them. You know, how can you help us set up the most magnificent facility that a student would see? And, and they'll walk away then knowing as your sponsor of those facilities, you know, here's an industry partner who I might want to work with because they value my education. Therefore, um, I'm interested in working for them. So then what's new at your campus for 2021, 2022? Well, besides the, besides the new football stadium, which we were hoping to have on the in the 2020, 2021, but we're not getting to use it until this spring. <laughs> right. Uh, and it's kind of funny when we have snow banks on the sides, on the sides of the stadium, but uh, you know, that's, that's a new, that's a new upgrade and that's great. Um, we're doing a current upgrade to our auto technology program. So our diesel technology moved out of that facility and now we're upgrading that auto technology facility. And we had some great grants uh, the past year or so. We put some new dynos uh, in our auto. We have uh, new lifts. Uh, a chassis dyno, a, fan, a fantastic chassis dyno went in, a lot of new equipment in that uh, auto facility as well. So that's a, it's, it's a, a, a great facility that's going to be upgraded. And it's one of the last ones that we'll have um, that, that we're going to upgrade uh, to the status. It'll be comparable to what our, our diesel technology center is as well. So we're excited about getting that done. We're in construction right now. So the students are uh, kind of working around. Uh, we have to complain a little bit about the construction dust, but, <laughs> but we're going to work around it because it's going to be a great facility when we're all, when we're all done. Um, we had some uh, new upgrades do, uh, done to our, elect our electrical program. Um, so one of our sponsors that we work with is Greenlee, um, Apple Greenlee, and uh, they've done some great, uh, great uh, upgrades with us as well. We're looking at a lot of new equipment uh, there. And with that, um, you know, part of the new, the new things is the new certifications that go with that. So we are uh, NC3 certification center. So we had, um, I think, seven certifications that we had done through NC3. And, and now we're doing Greenlee certifications as well through NC3. Uh, and that's, that's great for students. And again, students coming to a program like this are going to walk away with that associate's degree in, in electrical technology, but they're going to have a handful of, of, uh, of micro credentials, these little yeah. certifications that we have. Um, an example I'll give you of one is um, pipe bending. So 
pipe bending is a little bit of an art when you start bending or your conduit is I should say not in a, it is looks like pipe but it's conduit bending but when you start bending conduit uh, you can make a lot of mistakes and to get an art an art to get the conduit bent and where you want to be to, to be uh, qualified to work as an apprentice out there with uh, some of our, our master electricians they want some people with some experience so Greenlee has invested uh, a lot with us and we've got some great equipment from them and our students are going to walk away with with these micro certifications that'll, that'll be used uh, as well so so th those are new we're, we're trying to add that uh, to our repertoire as well we just had finished and have been accepted it as uh, AED accreditation with our diesel program. So that's that's new as well. Uh, we're excited to be working with those uh, uh, equipment dealers. It's equipment dealer because uh, most of our diesel is large equipment, uh, as you know, and have been up here. We uh, we work on uh, locomotives and construction equipment and uh, tractors and a little bit of all large equipment. So the AED uh, accreditation was the best fit. And we wanted to make sure that uh, we had that built into our diesel technology program. We had already had the uh, ASC, found, uh, ASC Foundations accreditation with our auto programs. We've been working with those uh, for quite some time. Uh, but having that accreditation tied to our diesel program was, was a great thing as well. And it, it just brings that credentials even, even more our program so and then um new things uh, and new apprentices new apprenticeship opportunities um seems like uh in today's um oh society where we are now and and uh, because of the pandemic and all this uh, we've been approached by a lot of of industry professionals out there saying what can we do to get more apprentices into our programs or can we start apprenticeship programs or how do we get a, um, the biggest question is how do we get apprentices finished with the educational component of their apprenticeship and so we've um, thanks to uh, our, our governor's uh, gear grant uh, this past uh, fall we we're able to apply and receive that and we're able to retool how we educate young people or in this case these uh, apprentices that are that are working out there in the plumbing and electrical fields and offer them a different approach that we believe uh, is going to help them get through this apprenticeship and become a journeyman plumber or journeyman electrician at a much more rapid rapid pace you know um your, your college is well known for its apprenticeship programs. So I'm glad you mentioned that. So can you walk me through the type of apprenticeship programs your college offers right now? And, and actually, how do they work? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be glad to. Well, to be honest with you, we, we have some, I can't even list them off the top of my head, the number. We, we have 28 apprenticeship programs, just so you know that, 28. <laughs> when, when a company wants to start a formal apprenticeship. They would work through the Montana Department of Labor and Industry together. Um, we work with independent um, contractors or independent companies out there to help provide the training that they would need for their apprentices. So someone would come up and they want to start an, uh, an apprenticeship in, let's say, uh, building maintenance. We had uh, worked with uh, 
actually be working with uh, one of our tribal institutions and that's what they wanted to do. How, how can we work in, in the building maintenance area? We then would work to design the, uh, the uh, educational component that would go with those hours. Um, I know there was uh, meat cutters is a popular thing and there is actually a apprenticeship for the meat cutting industry as well. So we have these opportunities. In the past, the way it works, and I can just take electrical for an example, or plumbing, students would come in and they would have to complete a series of hours under a master plumber. In, in plumbing, that's uh, 7,500 hours that they have to complete. But they also must complete a series of educational components. In the case of plumbing or electrical, it's 24 credits, eight three credit courses that they're going to complete to accomplish that apprenticeship, 7,500 hours and those eight classes they've got to get through. Um, the problem we were having, and they need to do it within uh, four to five years. The problem we were having is that these, these young people are out there working and they're working 10, 12 hour days because the business is, is busy and they're out there on Saturdays and they're working and they're tired and the, the uh, educational component was done correspondence. They had to do it on their own. They got books and workbooks and they had to complete this on, you know, on their own. Uh, and that's what we wanted to change. We wanted to make it a little bit different, but that's, that's basically how most apprenticeships uh, in Montana are set up. They're gonna work, they're gonna work so many hours under a master, they're gonna complete the education. And when they complete that, after four to five years, they would then get their journeyman and become a journeyman license. Now, I mentioned we had 28 apprenticeship. 95% uh, of all our apprentices are in plumbing and electrical, 95%. That's because that's the biggest apprenticeable area in Montana and everyone comes to us for those. So we do have some, we do have some folks working in uh, apprenticeship areas in welding. We've worked with, uh, actually some of our um, uh, departments of corrections and others in apprenticeship areas in welding. So that's some of the things we do, but, but most of what we do is in electrical and plumbing. Um, you can come to us, someone could say, we would like to start an apprenticeship. We, we can do this, we would work with you. We would start up, we would uh, research and help you determine what the best uh, course of action is for the education that they need to take. And we would establish that and, and, and and we get that material, we, we box it up, we send it out, we, uh, the students pay for that or their employer will pay for the, the education. They send us, uh, you know, uh, use a credit card or check, whatever, we put the books in the mail. The, uh, as soon as they finish one, we grade them. We, we will actually grade their, the work that they do, sign them their grade. They've got to pass with a 70% or higher or they don't pass. So that's one of the things, you know, it's not like, you're going to fail and go on to the next one, you're going to complete it at a satisfactory uh, level or, or you don't move on. So we help uh, guide that whole process. And, and, uh, and, and that's basically how we make that happen. Our apprenticeship center is actually ran by our master plumber. We have in conjunction with our, our master electrician, since most of them are plumbers and electrical, they run all the apprenticeship, uh, even the ones that aren't in those aren't in their areas. We sit down together and, and help folks get to that. So. Now, the new, the new, I just got to share with you a little bit about the, the new grant and, and what we want to do. And I think it's going to be a model 
for what we do in apprenticeship education. Uh, Montana, by the way, the model that we currently uh, work under, it's because Montana is such a big state. And for us to offer courses where folks could drive to a central location and take educational classes, if they live in SCOBY, Montana, uh, that's a long haul. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just, it's not going to happen. So it's, it's difficult for them to come to central locations. And that's how most states deliver the education and their apprenticeship programs. They actually have face-to-face -face classes that, that their apprentices will come to. So we're trying to figure out ways in Montana to do things a little bit different. And the pandemic has actually helped us in some ways to think differently. We have um, actually worked in our hands-on programs here at MSU Northern uh, and delivered hybrid uh, lectures and labs to students that couldn't come in because they're in quarantine or whatever the case might be. Um, because of our flexibility that way, it's helped us think a little bit about how we might be able to deliver to apprentices out there as well. So uh, this grant that we're working on, what we've uh, done is uh, we actually invested some money in portable recording studios. Mm -hmm. And we've taken these recording studios into a lab and it's got multiple cameras from multiple angles and technology now is amazing. One instructor can sit there uh, with a little controller and he's got four different buttons. He can push whatever he wants people to go and he can talk. Uh, he or she could talk and they can be filming something on a desk in front of them or to the camera behind them. And they can actually demonstrate, teach, demonstrate as if you were right there. We can record it simultaneously. People can, uh, people can watch it or we can record it and we can send it out, put it on YouTube, put it on our, uh, our site for our apprentices to look at. So we can actually send that to these apprentices in advance. And then what we've done is one day a week, we're traveling around Montana. We're down in Billings, we're in Bozeman, we're in uh, Great Falls um, and coming soon to a city near you, uh, even Butte uh, might be on our, our next, but we can actually one day a week through adjunct instructors uh, do labs with those folks. So they're getting these they're getting these hybrid lectures. They're going to come to a site with a group, uh, a cohort of, of 10 to 20 other electricians or plumbers, and they're going to make that what they just talked about that we come to life in a lab for four hours. So they're doing these four hour labs uh, over a 10 week period. And after 10 weeks, these uh, these apprentices are actually we're getting two classes done, two of the courses done in 10 weeks. So in a period of two years, we can go through all eight courses and we're calling it the Accelerated Apprenticeship Education Program. Uh, and we think, uh, and we'll see, again, we're just on our first semester, our first 10 weeks of doing this. We think by bringing these young people into cohorts where they can actually work together, they, they get to know the other, the other folks, they can lean on one another, uh, ask questions to those lab instructors that are out there. We think we can get them through this educational component quicker with a higher percentage of success than we're currently experiencing. Currently, we're getting somewhere between maybe 30 and 40% of apprentices that will actually achieve their journeyman's license. They're mm -hmm. just not finishing. We have to do better. That's not an acceptable rate. So uh, we're hoping that this uh, will turn the corner and help us, uh, you know, become the educational leader for apprenticeship education in Montana.
That is so exciting. What a great idea to go to the student instead of making the students come to you. Yeah, that's the society we live in, isn't it? <laughs> it, it sure is anymore. It's a, it's a great idea too. I'm so happy to hear you guys doing that. Um, well, you know, when we talk about trades and industry, I know that arena is always changing. So what's happening in trades and industry right now that you think to your college deans should investigate? In other words, from your viewpoint, what's catching your eye in trades and industry as potential programs? Yeah, well, there's some things that I can sh I'll share with you in this where I think we need to go in, in, right. in it. But the, the skills trades, the skills trades are going to be absolutely critical for the future. As I talk to employers out there across the United States, and I mentioned some of those, they're on our advisory boards. They fly in from Florida and Texas and uh, Minnesota, wherever. I mean, all over the country, we get them on our advisory boards here working with our, our skill trades area. But they're all telling me the same story. And that is, uh, uh, we have a failing infrastructure. Now, you know that because of what happened down in Texas. So we can so go with that right. cold snap wet down there. And, and I was listening to a program down in Mississippi and their, their water infrastructure and the road infrastructure, everything, they get some real problems just because they got some of the really cold weather that, that we're used to uh, up here in the, in the Northern part of the country. But the infrastructure on roads, bridges and tunnels and railroads, everything is, um, is now 60, 70 years old. And we can't keep up with the, with the uh, necessity for replacement in these infrastructure across the United States. It's a crisis, it's an absolute crisis. So these companies are really worried with a, an aging population of technicians and uh, skills trades professionals that are going to be retiring uh, now in the next four, five to 10 years, where are we going to get that next generation that's going to actually help us work? Technology is changing. So that's another thing I, I want to, you know, what's new in the trades area. Technology is absolutely uh, phenomenal out there. We, we working uh, on, on actual road graders and excavators out there that are laser, laser leveled to the uh, less than quarter of an inch. So they're out there working alongside these roads and you're driving by them in road construction and you think someone's actually in there operating these and driving them. I'm gonna tell you, they are ran by GPS. They're laser leveled. They're in, what they call them integrated controls or integrated systems are controlling those machines to be absolutely precise in the work that they're going to do. Same with agriculture out there. The farmers in these fields are operating uh, equipment that's uh, a quarter of a million to a million dollars that's being operated and controlled by computers and technology out there. It's apps. It's it's. I get excited talking about it. It's fun. It's absolutely <laughs> fun. But the employers want these technicians or these uh, skilled trades professionals to have a good understanding, not just how to turn a wrench, fix something mechanically, but to be able to make decisions and make decisions, uh, diagnostics and decision making. Um, based upon some of the newest technology that's out there in our in our country, and so we have 
companies. Matter of fact, coming in uh, in a couple of weeks, bringing in some of their brand new equipment, brand new technology, and they're going to be talking to our program about uh, you know how we might help them. Those specific specific manufacturers, um, they're looking at even asking if they can endorse us. As a uh, as a specific institution that would prepare their folks, you know, and we we look at ourselves as being um, as being very uh, generic across the board, and we're still going to do that. But a lot of companies are coming and saying, "How can we get equipment into your hands so you can help prepare that next generation to go out there?" That's new. That's exciting. I tell young people, uh, and it goes back to getting more young people engaged. High tech, high skill, high paid. That's what it is out there. This is not uh, uh, this is not an industry where you're going to get uh, dirty. Um, even our plumbers, I mean, it's it's a lot of new builds and and they're working with new equipment in the plumbing and electrical fields. It's exciting, and more and more people need to realize that that's uh, an area that I can get in, engaged in, with uh, with not so much investment in my educational. Uh, an educational process, you know, I don't have to walk away with a $100,000 school loan to, to be engaged in this exciting new fields in, in career and technical education. So we need to do that. Another new thing that I think we, I don't I, I, I maybe should say it's new, but we don't do a good job of that, this, and that is creating pathways for young people at early ages to get involved in the skilled trades or career technical education fields. And shame on all of us for not doing this a long time ago. I look at 20 years ago, I think we were pushing so many folks to get a four-year degree and pushing them away from the career technical fields that uh, we, we set this stigma in the minds of parents or counselors or teachers or others that, that uh, that's, if you can't make it there, then you do go do that. You go do the career in tech. And that's not the case anymore. We need the best and brightest students in career in tech right now, because of what I mentioned before, where technology is taking us and the demand for what's gonna happen out there. We have to create pathways. We need to start, elementary even is not too early. Get them thinking about those things, but middle school for sure. We need to be talking and getting students to kind of experiment with the pathways out there in the middle schools that will guide them through what they might do in high school. We need to do a better job with dual and dual credit, dual enrollment, with career tech education classes in our high schools and career centers around the country. Give them the opportunities ahead of time where they're going to get some basic skills that they're going to need and they're going to have it in high school before they even go. And then it's going to be even it's going to be a more rapid uh, pace through that pathway to an exciting career for them. So that's we have to do that. We, we just have to do that. And the sooner, the better. Yeah, I, I totally agree that that we need to kind of regroup and and promote uh, CTE way better than we did in the past. And, and, and I don't know really the cause, what, what, what was the reason for uh, in Montana? I don't think that's across the country, but in Montana, for sure, we seem to have promoted the four-year education pathway better than we did the two-year education pathway. And, and that was, was the way in Michigan as well. Was it's it? the same way, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I think that's a great idea. So if I said, here's some, here's some money, Dave, here's a budget, you know, what could what could what could be done to help promote those uh, uh, those two year uh, 
pathways for uh, high school students or even grade school students to start looking at CT programs? Yeah, well, I'll tell you one of the things that it doesn't take a lot of money, but uh, getting getting uh, the partnerships with our industries, our secondary and our post-secondary to sit down around a table and work together. Um, I need, if I could go out to a high school, let's say, I'll, I'll pick on SCOBY again, because I was there the, this past year. That's in, in Northeastern Montana, and it's a piece away from everybody. But We've got a great uh, partnership uh, over there with um, CMB uh, John Deere, and I could I could take that company and they would bring out some the most fantastic pieces of equipment, and we could go to the elementary schools, we go to the middle schools, we could talk to students about careers and opportunities, and. Uh, and display that myth that this is a dirty job. This is, we're looking for computer uh, programmers. We're looking for people who operate the computer and the technology and, and uh, they, they have their phones. And this operated on tablets. Did you know that uh, up there, a farmer in the field and this tractor breaks down that before he can make a phone call to the local dealership, that that dealership already knows that his tractor broke down <laughs> and has already ordered the part for them and the part is on its way. That's where technology is taking us. That is those, wild. Are, those are cool things that are happening yeah. and uh, young people have no idea right. what's going on in industry. And the, part of the problem is we don't take the time as industry professionals or as uh, uh, professional secondary and post-secondary professionals to take the time and explain that pathway to young people. It won't take a lot of money. Um, it, you don't have to give us a lot. Industry needs to realize they've got to step up their game and they need to be side by side with the teachers in the secondary schools and side by side with the with the instructors and uh, faculty from the uh, universities and and our uh, two-year programs here in montana side by side with those students and their parents talking to them about where our country's going with career and technical education and i think if we did that and made a major effort in montana and if the legislature is listening, <laughs> a major effort, uh, that's where the dollar should be invested in marketing, uh, where we need to go with pathways for career and technical education. If we don't do that, we're not going to get young people engaged. And another another thing I'll, br I'll bring up, while you got me on my soapbox, um, we have so many people leaving, so many teachers leaving, we used to call our shop classes, but our industrial technology educators or our agriculture educators, they're the ones out there with those hands-on labs in those high schools or our career center. They're the ones that are the CTE instructors that are working out there. And, uh, you know, you, you all, you've heard it before. We just don't pay and treat our educators with enough dignity and respect and, and pay-wise. That's another thing. If we could get more instructors out there and pay them for what they're worth, I, I don't think we'd have the, the problem we have. Right now, I, I, it's uh, dozens of shortage in our industrial technology, dozens of programs that are short instructors out there. I, I talked to a, a specialist from the OPI. They can't fill these positions. Uh, how are we going to get young people to be excited about career and tech if we have no one in the high schools teaching them about career and technical yeah, education good point. and these yeah. skills trades? So we need to invest in uh, our instructors 
in career and technical education and, and uh, create that as a viable pipeline for young people to, to be engaged in. Dave, you are so passionate about this. I would say you'd be the best spokesman to, to take around Montana to get that promoted. That's for sure. Um, well, maybe that'll be my next job. I don't know. <laughs> we, we have to do something, though. You know, uh, you, say, you say that someone said, uh, what do you need to do or how can we help? Uh, we don't have enough students here. We have great programs. We have great, we have, uh, great labs, great facilities. You've seen them. Um, we struggle to get enough students. That's where we are. If we don't get more young people to move this, through this pathway from middle school to high school to our secondary programs, we won't be in existence here in our secondary programs as well, or our post-secondary programs. We won't be in existence here. The, the, the industry out there won't have anyone to hire. So, and, and as the, as the uh, number of students continues to to dip a little bit here. I know in Montana, but in other rural states, especially, we see uh, our population dipping a little bit. Uh, there's fewer and fewer folks getting those degrees and moving on to this area. So it's a cri it is a crisis out there. And uh, let's just be really honest with you. you look at the demographics. Um, I, not that I color my hair, but uh, I'm gonna tell you, I'm a, gray, I'm a gray hair age myself right now. And uh, as a baby boomer, we're, we're going to be leaving. And that's one of the largest population uh, demographics we have out there. What is going to happen if we can't get more people to fill that, that void? So. Great point. Great point. So how do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of things as the Dean of Technical Studies? I'm always impressed with how you, how you have your hand involved in yes. so many topics, so many subjects, so many, so many ideas for programs. Yeah, well, uh, that falls on my lap. So <laughs> I talked to you about people coming, people come to us, they come to Northern people. You know, we've had a reputation up here and so uh, of career technical and skills trades. And, and so, so um, an ex example of that uh, most recently, uh, since I've been here in the three years at, at the school is being approached by multiple companies talking about integrated systems and precision technology. And uh, I had a little bit of a background in it, but I was by no means, uh, you know, fluent in the language of integrated systems and precision technology. But it was so important and the industry professionals who came here were so passionate about this being a direction that we go that uh, I just had to, you know, I, I went to every uh, industry I could. I visited the industry. I learned what they're doing. Uh, industry is actually leading the way when it comes to the newest technologies. They have to. So they're on the cutting edge of this. They're, they know what needs to happen. They know what direction we need to move in. We just need to listen to our industry. So when we form advisory boards that come in and work with each of our programs, we must listen to those advisory boards. It's not a report out of here's what we're doing and here's how good we are. It is what direction do we need to be moving our programs in and how can you help us move to that newest direction? When I kind of capture that as my, mind, my mindset, it's easy just to listen. They're gonna provide me with so much information that uh, it'll, uh, it'll uh, 
stifle me sometimes. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of blown away by all the all the opportunities that are out there. So we just need to sit back and listen to industry, and they'll come to us. The newest industry where uh, I want to uh, work closer with Mile City and their meat uh, their meat cutting program, oh, yeah. and yeah. Uh, um, we're looking at potentially even taking it a step further with an associates up here. How we might be able to work together and partner with them to deliver. Um, we got people from Canada all the way all around here looking on the high line saying, what can we do to help in this industry in the in the meat in the meat processing industry? And so it looks like listening just by listening. Uh, and collaborating with others, I think we can help. We can help our industries. Great idea. Any surprises over the past six months that end up on a positive note for you up in Haver? Yeah, you, you know, uh, yeah, I, I should share that with you. Um, I mentioned before about dual enrollment as being something. Uh, I don't know about uh, your institution or, or others uh, about the dual enrollment, but I, I do know that a majority of dual enrollment tends to come from math and uh, psychology and, you know, some of the soft sciences. Um, that's where we tend to get a lot of it. Uh, and a lot of that's because so many of our other programs uh, you need to be face-to-face. -face. There's interactions, there's hands-on things that happen, and it's hard to deliver that at a distance through dual enrollment opportunities. But the pandemic has opened our eyes uh, just in one year. It just surprised me completely. And I mentioned that before when we, when we were working on the apprenticeship education, but for dual enrollment, it's the same way. We have created some fantastic hybrid learning models out there that we can deliver to secondary programs around Montana. We have so many small rural schools who can't offer the breadth of what may need or what they would like to offer. They don't have the faculty to do that. They don't have the resources to do that. So if we're now, because of the pandemic and needing to deliver to students around the state because of they're in quarantine or whatever, we've created a new model and if we can use that new model to help reach down to these secondary programs, these small rural Montana schools, and they can take classes with us. Example, um, Dutton Brady um, had uh, their ag teacher had passed away and they were looking for some help. We actually delivered to them a welding program via distance. Our instructor uh, has recorded all of our welding lectures those students in, in uh, Dutton, they watched those welding lectures. Uh, he then zoomed in once a week with a parapro that was in their lab that would work with them. And he would grade their welding and talk to them about their welding once a week uh, for just an hour or so with them. And they actually have, uh, are teaching welding there at a distance. Uh, because of some of the newest technology that we're using. The same thing goes for our agriculture programs. We're, we're actually recording intro to animal science and intro to plant science courses for our students. That can be an animal science and a plant science elective in any small rural Montana high school. So that's kind of a surprise that that I always envisioned that happening. I always wanted to be able to share with our secondary programs some of the things that maybe they couldn't get. The pandemic afforded us that opportunity to step into that arena now and do that. And so we are, we are doing it now. So we're delivering there. 
So, so here's my last question. How do you see higher ed evolving over the next five to 10 years? Yeah, I mentioned some of this before, but um, in higher ed, I think we're going to see, um, I use the word stackable credentials, uh, micro-credentialing. You've heard a, a lot about that coming. I think we're going to see a much more of that happen in the future than ever before. People can walk away with a credential that's going to make them feel good about what they've done and may help them get into a career, start into a career. They then can take the next step grab the next piece, the next credential. Eventually, they'll have their certificate. Eventually, they'll have their associate's degree. Eventually, they'll get a bachelor's degree and then a master's. We know that people anymore <laughs> just don't say, I'm going to go get a PhD or I'm going to get my master's degree. I'm just going to start. There's so many other emergencies in their life that are taking place. And they're just, they're just taking one day at a time, one step at a time. I think in higher education, we can break higher education up so we don't have to say, keep your eye on the prize, four more years and you're going to get there. No, we're going to say, here's a, a credential that you're going to have. You're going to put into your portfolio, into your resume, and you're going to have that done in the next six weeks. Yeah, and I, you're going to feel good about yourself doing it because you got that credential. Then you'll get that certificate a year from now and you'll be able to use that. And if that's the exit point for you, that's absolutely great. But if not, we'll have the next piece of that puzzle for them. If higher education were to break things up in those, in those just small bite-sized pieces, I think we'll be better for it. I would agree. I, I, I realized a few years ago that the way higher ed is truly is we're, we're trying to work with lifelong learners. In other words, go to, go to school after school, go to work for a while, then come back to us, get some more stuff, go back to work. I mean, it goes back and forth. And that sure seems to at least be the group of students that I was used to dealing with. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Dave, thanks for chatting with me today. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. It's my pleasure. If anyone ever wants to talk about CTE, I'm excited to talk to them about it. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> well, that ends today's show. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for listening to today's episode and make sure to visit our website at academicdean.com for additional information. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.